You're listening to a weekly podcast made by Miami Dolphin fans for Miami Dolphin fans. Your source for entertaining Dolphin news, insight, and general conversation. Here's your host, Michael Fink. Hey everyone, this is Mike. Uh, the Fin Fans Podcast is part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. All right, it's Monday afternoon and I'm here with Louis Rigoni. Hello, Dolphins. And we're going to discuss yesterday's Patriot game and uh, give you some of our thoughts and reactions to it. Uh, so, Louis, you watched it. I watched it. It wasn't fun. Give me your thoughts. <laughs> two weeks in a row. Two weeks in a row. Uh, much of the same. A lot of mistakes all over the place. Uh, the defense played much better this week, at least you know up until the game got out of hand late. Uh, the offense just made way too many mistakes. I mean, the first, second play of the game, I believe it's O'Leary, a tight end. He misses a block on a. He know, did on the jet sweep. On the jet sweep, and um, Grant gets hit hit for a four yard loss. You know, and it was much of the same. You know, Balage looked horrible. Um, he, had know, a, he had a drop on the next play. Right. I mean, you can go up and down the offensive line play. I mean, it, it was a lot of the same. And, um, you know, they stood in the game for a while. I think halfway through the third quarter, it was 16 nothing. You're, You know, at that point, you're thinking, wow, if we can get a score – you know, at least it, it's it's a presentable score at that point. You yeah, know, it's we're, respectable. We're three quarters through the game, and you know it's sixteen seven. But of course, that doesn't happen. You know, uh, Fitzpatrick makes a few mistakes at quarterback. Guys dropping passes. I mean, again, you know, the offensive line plays just horrible. So, I mean, everybody that I'm sure is listening watched the game. You know, without really like just. <laughs> going over so many different things that went wrong. I mean, you know, we the the score tells it all for the most part, you know? So, well, let me ask you this, Lewis. Uh, sure. You know, we put in Rosen, that's the answer, right? Everything's everything solved. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We get rid of the head coach and um you know, we replace him and we replace the quarterback and there's your uh you know, there's the solution to everything or the few solutions to everything. And, you know, that's we're just being sarcastic. The point is, is that, you know, football, if you know anything about football, it starts up front on both sides. And um, with the offensive line that we have, it's just not going to happen. Uh, you know, you have to be realistic. And I don't think people coming into this season were realistic. Um, Tunsil would have helped. There's no question about it. But, you know, I'm going to bring up something, Mike, which is really interesting, and I'm going to make people understand why we're doing what we're doing and where we're at. And, um, you know, Tunsil's part of that equation. Um, you know, you can't, you can't sit here and put the blame on a quarterback <clears throat> when he just doesn't have the opportunity to even look down the field. And you can't really put the blame anywhere when you have a lot less talent than the team you're playing. It's just that simple. Now, let's go back to last year, since people are so upset in regard to this 2019 season. Uh, do you know what our record was last year, Mike? Seven and nine. We were seven and nine. Okay, let me just bring some things up and let, let me let people understand what has taken place with this team? Okay, can we, I just can I just say it was a very lucky seven and nine? Well, let me tell you this. Okay, we wound up finishing seven and nine. We started the year three and zero. Oh, okay, so just take all of this in, everybody that's listening, and understand where this team was at last year. Okay, we start off the season three and zero. Oh. We wind up seven and nine. Okay, we won four games a total of four games over the remainder of last season. So out of our last 13 games, we win four games, one of which was the miracle in Miami, which we really shouldn't have won. We beat Buffalo because a receiver, and this was another home game, dropped a pass in the end zone, won Charles Clay. At the end of a game, we technically should have lost that game as well. And we beat the Jets 
13-6. Those were our three wins over the last 13 games of last season, okay? Now, let's fast forward to this season, okay? We lose guys like Cameron Wake, TJ McDonald, Kiko Alonso. All of the players, Jawan James is gone. Tunsil's gone. With all of those players, and and then some, Danny Amendola, you can go on and on and on. Kenny Stills was here. That team, with all of that supposed star power or overpaid players, did exactly what I just told you they did last year. Okay, so if you're... If you're our GM, honestly, what are you going to do as a GM? Are you going to sit there and say, you know what, guys, let's go in the last year and next year. Let's add a few more free agents. Let's try and build this team up from the draft. And let's try and win another seven games because that's exactly what would have happened. So as Dolphin fans, do you want to continue to tread water year in and year out? Because that's basically where this team was heading. I mean, we could have kept TJ McDonald. We could have kept Kiko Alonso. We could have kept Cameron Wake. But where were we going to be two years from now? And that's the question. And that's what everybody has to understand, that at this point, we're going backwards to go forwards. And you know what? The step backwards is not as big as everybody thinks it is, Mike. That's the problem here is that everybody thinks that, oh, my God, we're just absolutely horrible. We had the worst defense in the history of the Dolphins last year. Franchise, that's right. Franchise history, the worst defense ever with those guys I just mentioned. Well, we may eclipse that this year. (laughs) We may eclipse. Well, there's no question about that, but we don't have all of those guys I just mentioned. on the team we understood going into this year what we or at least most of us did anybody who had any higher expectations for this team are delusional because the talent's just not there we got rid of a lot of veteran players that yeah they make the scores a little bit more respectable absolutely but are they winning you football games well that's it they're they're enough to keep you competitive but they're not enough to put you over the top over the top so what do we do we go in the next year we get maybe the second tier of first round picks you know we're around number 10 like we usually are at this point okay we've seen enough of this as dolphin fans and again you have to take a step backwards to go forward sometimes and that's what they have done people have to understand that look at last year's team and you can go back to the year before that you, you, we brought in cutler because we were like wow you know what we're on the we're a playoff team and what were we? We were a 500 team that year with all these. Oh, Sue was on the team. You had overpaid players. We still were winning games, and we weren't winning them in a way you want to win football games. I just brought up perfect examples, Mike, of how we won football games last year, yep. and and that that was the case. It wasn't like we were blowing the Jets out. We beat them 13 to six. We beat New England on a miracle. Okay, and and Buffalo basically came in here with a rookie quarterback and really should have beat us as well. So if you take those three wins off the board, we have three wins last year to start the season. And, um, you know, and then you can throw the Chicago game in, which was probably their best game of the year. But regardless of all that, you understand my point and where we were at last year and where we're at this year. And. Yes, we are getting killed, but I'll tell you what, uh, you know, the team was not very good last year either. So that's my point. With all that being said, Mike, we can move on from there. I don't know if that answered your question or not, but... Uh, well, I mean, it, it presents other questions, you know, I mean, that that people legitimately have. Uh, and that would be, you know, okay, all right, so we're we're doing this and we've given away all this talent, which you've already said was... You know, maybe not as talented as everybody thought, uh, and aging, and all those things. But uh, so we've given away that talent. What happens if we don't draft well? Well, we're in the same boat. I mean, it's it's you know, here's the thing: we've got a lot of draft picks early in the draft over the next two years, and even if you hit on fifty percent of them, you know, every team in the NFL 
that that is competing has playmakers. You know, I watched the Atlanta game last night. Matt Ryan, Julio Jones. Uh, they just drafted this kid Ridley, who's an outstanding player. They have a really nice running back. They have playmakers that change games around. That game last night was close. Yep. Julio Jones took a pass at the line of scrimmage and took it to the house. Yep. And it basically won the game. This is what we need. Now, if we hit on a couple of guys like I gotta that. I got to tell you, on that play, I felt bad for that cornerback that got trucked. <laughs> oh, yeah. He got annihilated. But, you know, that's that's good football. Yeah. It, we're not used to seeing it no. here in Miami. No. We don't see a lot of that. We see guys ducking under passes and and bobbling balls around and doing a juggling act like he's in a circus as he's trying to catch a pass and then he just hands it to the other to the opposing defender who who uh makes the score even worse than what it should be. But yes, I mean I, absolutely. I mean, you know, getting back to my point, you have to get playmakers in here and this team just needs a few guys. Well, what I think people need to understand is that's why you acquire as many draft picks as possible. You know you're not going to hit on every one of them. That, right. that goes without saying. The odds say you're not going to hit on every one of them. The team knows that. Absolutely. That's and the whole That's the whole reason for getting as many as you can, because you don't expect to hit on them all. But, you know, even, in, even through free agency, Mike, if, you know, we continued to do what we were doing... I mean, we bring Cutler in. We br- we have brought so many free agents in, and it's a crapshoot as well. Yep. So, you know, the question is, is there a real answer to any of it? The bottom line is, is that if you hit on a playmaker, and we know this better than anybody, we hit on Dan Marino, and Dan Marino carried us for years. Changed the franchise on for his back. Fif- at least 15 years of the 17 he was here. Absolutely. He, at times, single-handedly won football games, but that's what playmakers do. When we had Ricky Williams here, yep. he was a game-changer. They had players around him, but he won football games for you. He take it to the house from 70 yards out. He was a dynamic player. And honestly, since Ricky, we haven't had a guy like that. We've had good players, but we haven't had dynamic players. Cameron Wake comes close, you know, of of late, but uh, I mean, there's few and far between. Xavier Howard for the position that he plays is a is an extremely, extremely good player. And yes, with players around him, he's a game changer as well. But, you know, he's playing a cornerback position that, you know, you don't even have to go his way. You know, much like New England did in yesterday. I mean, took Josh Gordon out of the game for the most part. And what's funny was, was when Brady did challenge him, there was a third and three play in the game. And I think he was lined up on, on Antonio it was, I mean, I don't know what Brady's thought process was, was as you're looking across Miami's defense, why would you even think about challenging Xavier on that? And of course, he knocked the ball down and New England had a punt. But my point is, you know, getting back to it once again, is that they have to get playmakers here. And, um, you know, I think that's what this team's trying to do. And honestly, Mike, I mean, you know, you what what other solution is there? Yeah, at this point with this team, I mean, there you is know, no other solution. They were isn't. they were stuck in mediocrity for twenty years. I mean, yes. you know, it wasn't like they did it for three or four seasons and made bad decisions and and things just didn't work. It's been twenty years. You cannot blame every GM that came through here in that time. Okay, it's a combination of things. When you when you fall into that cycle. The fans get upset and they get cranky and they don't want to buy tickets. And then changes have to be made because, you know, the guy's got to go. We, we need new fresh life. So they bring somebody else in and you have the same thing, you know, because he doesn't like the schemes the last guy was running. So he needs different players. And now you're going through the same cycle again. And it just it's repetitive that uh, the more you lose, the more you're going to lose because you're not fixing anything. And uh, this is a way to fix it. This is a way to scrap everything that was here and fix it. Now, they have to do a good job of doing it or it won't work. But that goes with no matter what they do. 
So exactly. I mean, the way I see it, they've got nothing to lose. They've got absolutely nothing to lose. There was nobody here that was, as you say, a legit difference maker at this stage of their career. Absolutely. I mean, Tunsil. The bottom line is we got three draft picks for him, and if you turn those draft picks into really solid football players, then you're going to look back at that trade and say, wow, I mean, we really, really did well on that because Tunsil was not an elite football player at this point. Now, he may develop into that, but, I mean, he's three years into his career already. So, you know, my point is is that they got a lot of value for him. I think they've made some some decisions that may have been difficult for him. But again, Mike, like you said, they're starting from ground zero and building up from there. And a lot of people don't like it. You know, they don't like to see all these guys being moved. But the bottom line is, is that we weren't a very good team with those players. And without them, we're not as good a team, but we're not as bad as every we weren't that much better with them is my point and we weren't that much better with them but we are a bad team we oh there's no question about it but we understood that and and well some of again some of us some of us some of us understood that you're taking away veteran players that yes they can keep you in football games but are you winning games okay so big deal you're beating the jets 13 to 6 whoopee doo da day okay and Lou, Lou here's the advantage of doing that okay they are going to have somewhere between 140 and 160 million dollars next year Absolutely. to spend on free agents and whoever it is they need to spend money on so if they need to bring in an offensive guard they'll have the money to do so if they need to bring in an edge rusher they'll have the money to do so they're going to have all these picks in the draft to take their pick of the top you know, college athletes, uh, they're going to be picking early in every round. So that, you know, second round choice is, you know, like a late first round choice. Absolutely. And and this is what people have to understand. They are trying to position themselves in the best possible place to be able to acquire talent. Absolutely. And like you said, I mean, every time we turn around in the draft next year, we're going to have another pick. And you know what? We may wind up with more because if it's Patrick gets traded. Right. And if Drake gets traded, then you may have a few more, you know, picks along with what you have. And, you know, the bottom line is this, is that we're not, we weren't going anywhere one way or another, regardless of what, even if Tunsil was here, because I think that's the, that's the player everybody's the most upset about, even if he was here really how much better would we have been well the offensive line was a big excuse last year so you know how much of a difference did he make right i mean you saw the struggles last year and you know Tannehill, it a lot of it falls on him but the offensive line was not great last year with tunsil and Jawan james so again i listen the record is the bottom line mike you know, you can look at the team as a whole. The defense was horrible. But how many times did we go in the halftime where the defense was keeping us in the game and the offense had three points on the board? They had six points on the board. I mean, it was a combination of just a bad, bad football team. So you can look at the scores this year and just see a horrible product out there. But you know what? It it If you look back at last season as a whole, we did not play good football last year either and we had a head coach that had been here two seasons so anyway i think let's let's just talk about the offensive line real quick yes um last year we had a line that as you said had tunsil and and james so they had the two bookends right and you know we were given pressure up the middle and Tannehill just wasn't able to cope with that now let's look at at the patriots last night they had an offensive line that has been hurt by injury, uh, but the yeah. quarterback was able to offset the liabilities in front of him. Absolutely. Okay? Now, I'm not saying that our line is anywhere near as good as theirs. It's not. But the point I'm trying to make is when you have a good offensive system and the players know it and you've got a quarterback that can execute it well, like Brady can, 
you can you can get by with a below average offensive line. It can't be horrible like ours is because no quarterback's going to function behind our line right now. But yes, you don't need a great offensive line to play in this era of football. Years ago, when you were trying to run the football all the time, and you're trying to you know uh, play power football. That was a little different. That was a little different. Uh, defenses were bigger. They're not as you know, they weren't as fast as they are now. It was a different game. Now the offense wasn't spread out, correct. which in turn spreads the defense out. Totally different. Absolutely. Correct. So you don't need that type of offensive line anymore. What you need is guys that can give you three seconds of protection. Absolutely. That's what you need. And you know what? New England struggled on offense. They, At you know, times. Through, through three quarters with, with us having no offense, no time of possession whatsoever, we kept giving the ball back to New England. And you know what? They didn't play horrible. They got to Brady a few times. Um, they played the run pretty well. It wasn't like Michelle ran all over us at, as uh, Baltimore did the week before. They actually put a decent product out there on the field yesterday defensively. But the point is, is that, like you said, when you have an Antonio Brown who can beat anybody on the football field, down the field, and you have a quarterback like Tom Brady, you can overcome a few offensive linemen being out. That's you know, right. and again, even with their a few offensive line players being out, Mike, they're still a ten times better offensive line than we are. So, right. you know, but you 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 hit it right on there, Mike. Um, you know, that's what it boils down to. And again, it goes back to my point earlier in the podcast where I said that if you have stars. That star power on your team and Antonio Brown, a Tom Brady, they can make the plays that make the difference in the game. It's that simple. Yep. We don't have that. Period. Nope. nope. So the, getting that quarterback is important. Getting you know the offensive system in place is important. You know they're, they're they're in the infant stages of installing their offense. So people just need to relax. Absolutely. Uh, we got a lot of young kids playing right now. They're making young kid mistakes, and that's going to happen. That's to be expected. Mm-hmm. You know, everything is a process, and, and we say trust the process, and we say that because you cannot do this overnight. It's going to take some time. And, uh, you know, as long as they have a plan and they're executing that plan and you see them executing that plan, think of where we have to go. Right now, we're the worst team in football. I don't think there's any question about that. We may be historically bad. That remains to be seen. But we have nowhere to go but up. Absolutely. And they've got the ammunition to get them up. Absolutely. We've got the money. We've got the draft picks. It's going to be... You know, it's going to be a lot of the same. We just hope that, you know, I saw an improvement on the defense from last week to this week. And the offense, I, I thought just, you know, I, I hate this sounds like a pun, but, you know, they dropped the ball yesterday. That's the bottom line. I mean, you know, we can go over a little bit of the game. I mean, in the first quarter, I, I mentioned the O'Leary, you know, missed block on the second play of the game. And Grant gets hit for a four-yard loss. Balaj drops the ball. Uh, the blocking was horrible. I, I know they showed on an instant replay where Jacecki was was breaking wide open. You know how they they basically focus in on each receiver and whether they were open as the quarterback yep. was dropping back. They it, you know Jacecki was breaking wide open, and Fitzpatrick just didn't have the time to set his feet and throw. And you know this is all in the first quarter as. You know, we're, we're competing, we're staying in the game, and the offense is going three and out. We're attempting to run the football on first down. We run the football on second down, and here we are at third and 13. And what happened on the third and 13, Mike? I can't even remember. I think you told me earlier uh, he got sacked. Is that what it was? On the yeah. very first series of the game. On the very first series of the game, you had – it was third and 20. Oh, we had a holding penalty yes, by our yes. by our wonderful offense. Like, that's right, I forgot that was about da that. Davis and Davis then, had uh, a holding penalty. Then they hit Gazeki for an eleven yard completion, and uh, it was third and nine, and they were sacked. And that was that. You know, so you have holding. Of course, the offensive line is responsible. Bad blocking, and it was much of the same. I mean, Balaj. You know, I. There are some things I question in re regard to the coaching, Mike, and me and you have talked about this. I. 
you know, we watched this during the preseason, and we've now watched it through th- two games of this season. And Balage in passing situations, I have no clue as to why he's even on the field when you have a guy that has proven himself as a, as a pass catcher and running back in passing situations. Now, I understand if you're going to – if Balage is a little bit better blocker and you're going to go that route – if you're going to put mass protection in. Well, he's definitely a better blocker. He's a definitely a better blocker. But when he's going out and running routes, and you are and you know that going into the play, or you're assuming that that's what they're going to do, you have to have Drake running those patterns. Drake doesn't drop passes. At least he normally doesn't. And to have Balazs in those situations where he's ducking, he, he's clueless. He doesn't even know. I mean, he's done this a few times to where – Fitzpatrick and practicing with him all week, you have to know that this guy will throw one behind his back if he has to. That's what he does. Yep. And you have to be ready for that. And Balaj is doing a circle pattern out of the backfield and and he the ball's thrown to him and he ducks underneath it. It's like, what are you doing? Here's the problem. You got one of the one back who can uh, do really well again, you know, in the passing game, and that would be Drake. And and you've got the other back who's really poor in the passing game, but they flip flop when it comes to blocking. So right. you got to pick your poison. And and the problem is when you've got that third down back in there, and you see that they're going to blitz. Well, now that back has to stay in and pick that blitz up. So they just don't trust Drake to be able to do that enough. And, and that's really what the problem is. And I think that's why you see Balazs in there more than you'd like to. Hey, guys, I wanted to break in here real quick just to ask a favor of you. On the app that you're listening on, uh, if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to the podcast. Hit like, leave a, a comment on your thoughts of the show. And uh, if you didn't know, we do, we do run a Facebook group. Uh, it's Miami Dolphins number one. That's hashtag one. We talk uh, Dolphins football 24 7, 365. We'd love to have you join us and share your thoughts. And uh, once again, we want to thank you for listening. Uh, let's make it a habit. We'll see you next week. Well, Mike, I, I'd, I'd have to look at the play where he bobbled. He did his little juggling act that went for six points the other way uh-huh. because. I'm almost certain that he was just doing a crossing pattern completely across the field, and I think he was lined up at the line of scrimmage. And th- that's my point. Uh-huh. If you're gonna if you're gonna do that, then you have to have Drake on the field at that point. Yeah, I mean, agree with that. And you know, the the thing he has failed at every turn in the passing game, Balage. So you have to have Drake on the field in those situations. I think you're a better football team. Now, I don't know, you know, I don't claim to know more than the coaches do, but from what I have seen from the two of them, it just doesn't make sense to me. And I'll I'll go even a step further, Mike. I haven't seen anything out of Balage running the football that that puts him head and heels over Drake. Drake had a few runs inside yesterday where he was just pushing, pushing. He got hit like a yard or two off the line of scrimmage, wound up getting like four or five yards just on his own. Balaj has not done much better. So I don't see a major difference even in running the football at this point. Obviously, the coaches feel that he's got, you know, he's the better running back, but Honestly, I haven't seen anything from it. And I, th- I um, thought he looked better last year, but you know the line has something to do with that. Without a in doubt, in fairness to him, um, but I'd like to see a little more of Mark Walton. Well, I mean, Mike, at this point, I don't. You know, I mean, our receivers are dropping passes. Um, you know, the the you know there was question in regard to the Parker play down the field, and you know, if if everybody goes back and watches the play again, you know, Parker gets up. He gets both hands on the football and he and he begins to drop it before the defender is even part of the play. And my point is is that you know you've got a DeAndre Hopkins type of guy, a Julio Jones type of guy. They don't drop those plays. They make those plays. It's 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 the other end. And now you have a forty yard completion down the field instead of a ball falling incomplete. And um, I know people on the uh, you know, on the um, Facebook page, we're going back and forth in regard to that. And 
just go back and look at it. You know, the picture that you posted on there shows the play a little bit late. Early on, he tends to, you know, he begins to drop that ball. And that's just one ball. I mean, the other two receivers, our three top receivers all dropped passes yesterday. That's the bottom line. Yep. Uh, Grant dropped one, and so did Williams. And it's collectively bad, Well, that's what, that's what stops an offense. But you know what? Absolutely. When you have that line the way it is – Sometimes that affects the timing of a play, and that affects the receiver's ability to catch the ball. And I'm not making excuses for these guys because every one of those balls should have been caught. Yes. But I'm saying it does affect the rhythm of the offense, and that that can be a problem. Absolutely. And getting back to the Rosen situation, I mean, you know, in a way I hope they do put him in over this next game or two because then we'll have people realize – how difficult it is, how, how difficult the task Fitzpatrick has right now and what a mistake it would be to put Rosen in. Uh, you know, he comes in the game late in both games and he's sitting flat-footed and he's able to air the ball down the field 40 yards because they're playing an umbrella-type defense. The game's over at that point. I, I've said these same things. It's ridiculous. Yeah. You can't compare – Early in the game when he's facing blitzes. They're, and, rushing, and, they're rushing three men. He's not under any pressure at all. He can stand back there and just heave it. Exactly. And all they're doing is playing the defensive backs are, are playing 30 yards, 20 yards off the ball. Now, to our credit, both receivers got behind their corners on the oh, two, yes. on the two long, pa- you know, the long passes. But the bottom line is you can't look at that and say – wow, we got to have Rosen on the field. It's not going to – as a matter of fact, it may be even worse. I, Me personally, I think without a question of a doubt, it's going to be worse. Well, I think I th- actually think you're going to see both ends of the spectrum. I think there are going to be times when he looks better, right. and there are going to be times when he looks worse. He's going to look worse when they confuse him because he does have trouble making decisions in the pocket. He is late a lot of the time getting rid of the football. So he's going to get sacked. He's probably going to fumble. You know, these are things you're going to see with Rosen. Whereas with Fitzpatrick, he may not make a great throw, but he's getting rid of the ball most of the time. Right, or he's attempting to. Right. You know, Rosen at times reminds me of uh, number 17. Yes, in a lot of ways. You know, you can't sit back there with this offensive line and expect to have 10 seconds to throw the football. It's not going to happen. And, you know, he took a few sacks this week as well uh, in the game. And, you know, the bottom line is this, is that there's no reason to throw him into this mess right now. Somewhere down the line, once they establish a semblance, and I mean somewhat of a semblance of an offensive line, then maybe you go that route. But right now, it's it's just not. Well, the coaches may do it. They're talking about considering it. They haven't said they're going to do it, but they did say they were going to consider it. I think it would be a mistake, and I also think it would be a disservice to Rosen. I agree. That's just how I feel about it. I don't think it'll help him in any way, shape, or form. I mean, last year with Arizona, which probably had a little bit better offensive line than we do, uh, That's debatable, but they're both terrible. They were terrible, yeah, but yeah. Uh, I'll tell you what. I mean, this offensive line is, you know, Dieter at least is showing something. You know, the other thing, Mike, you know, getting back to yesterday, you know, there, there's a few questions. I mean, you're not seeing Van Ginkle on the field. You're seeing guys well, that he's are, hurt. He's hurt. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. they picked up a guy this week that actually looked like one of our better defensive players. Uh, he had a sack yesterday. He, his name was similar to Van Ginkle. What was his name? Dinkle or Finkel? <laughs> no, no. Beagle, I think you're thinking Beagle, of, so. Beagle, yeah. Beagle. Uh, you know, I'm watching the game, and I just can't keep up with it at this point. I just can't. Now, he was picked up during the week, right? Yeah, he was. He was picked up during the week, and he comes up with a sack in the game, and he was involved in a few other plays. And I'm watching the game, and I'm like, Beagle? I'm like, who in the... I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Did they mean Van Ginkle? You know, and they just got the name wrong. No. And I'm watching this, and I'm like, I this is this is ridiculous. I don't even know who we've got. We actually passed rush pretty well. He, he did. tackled pretty well. Yeah. Uh, so he he played pretty well. Uh, another guy who impressed me was John Jenkins. 
Right. Yep. Absolutely. That mm-hmm. that bull rush he put on, and then <laughs> ended up knocking Brady on his butt. It was fun to watch. That was fun to watch. Exactly. So, you know, it, it, this team is still <laughs> making transactions to where you just can't keep up with them. My God, if you if you go away for two days and come back from a vacation, they've got guys on their roster that you know. I, I've never even heard of. And they're playing in games. Not yep. only are they being picked yep. up, but they're being put in game situations, in passing situations. It's it, it's absolutely crazy right now. And this is what we're going to be dealing with over the course of yeah, the season. Yeah, I mean, we have guys, I guarantee you, nobody can name. You know, a guy like Avery Moss, he's, he's not going to be on everybody's... Uh, uh, you know, tip of the tongue, you know, that we just have a lot of players that fit that Stephen Parker. I mean, most people don't know who these guys are. Right. It, it's, you know, listen, it's, it's going to be rough for us. You know, we've talked Tank about Carradine it. was here and then he was gone and now he's back again. And now know? he's back and he had, he made a decent play yeah. yesterday as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's going to be a lot of the same, you know, we've got Dallas next week. I know we're going to talk about that. Uh, during the podcast on Wednesday. But, uh, you know, expect more of the same next week and probably the week thereafter. Um, You know, it's going to be a struggle early on. What we have to look for is improvement. And um, So let me ask you, you watched the game yesterday. What young guys did you think played well? Oh, man. Uh, Wow. That is – Dieter comes to mind – as maybe one of the few and far between, uh, Preston Williams had one nice catch, and yes. um, and that was the extent of it. And Mike, this goes back to what but I one, one thing I've been saying with Williams is he is getting open at least some of the time. Absolutely, <laughs> he he has, and and he's got great. You know, for the most part, he's got great hands. I know he dropped the ball yesterday, but you know when it's thirty something to nothing. And I know you don't quit. There's no question about it. But my goodness, it's got to have an effect on you when you're just, you know, running around all day long and you're in the fourth quarter and, you know, the game's basically over at that point. Now, again, we don't want to make excuses for guys, but, you know, the game was over at that point. It wasn't, you know, a key situation where he dropped the ball. If he starts doing that, then we have an issue. But, uh, you know, it's really hard, Mike, getting back to your question, to evaluate young players when everything around you is, you know, it's like looking at the sky and, and, <laughs> and you know, trying to find some good out of it when there's a thunderstorm. You know, you can't, you know, you can't really evaluate these guys when everything is just horrible around them. You know, Giuseppe, how, like I said, how are we going to evaluate this guy when Fitzpatrick can't even get enough time to get the ball to him? The same with Preston Williams and and so on and so forth. And Dieter, you know, I know when you look at the numbers from yesterday in regard to how they fared, you know, as they evaluate these guys, you'll have a better idea of how he played yesterday. But when you look at the offensive line as a whole and you're watching that football game yesterday, it's hard to say how well, well it, Dieter played. If I had to give you my impression of Dieter, I would say he probably pass blocked okay, but I don't think he run blocked particularly well. Right. So, you know, getting back to answering your question, Mike, it's it's again, it's it's extremely difficult to evaluate these guys. And, you know, this was my problem with, with the Rosen trade. It's like, okay, I know we're getting him, but what are we going to do with him? How are we going to truly evaluate this guy if he can't even set his feet and 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 attempt to throw the ball down the field? You well, know, so I, you know, my my theory on that it maybe is a little unconventional, Lou, because I know a lot of people feel the same way that you do. But I feel like if you give me a quarterback and you allow me to practice him for two months, I'm going to have a pretty good idea what he is. Right. Yep. That's how I look at it. And I, I think that they can do that in training camp. You know, I think they can do that, you know, during the practices. Now, he doesn't get as many snaps now as, the, as a starter, obviously. Mm-hmm. But they have a basis from which to build. If he, if he needs work at something, they've already determined what that something is. Well, most coaches, Mike, because most, yeah, I'm uh, assuming the coaches are qualified to do what they're doing. Well, you would you would think so, but 
if we reference back to number 17 yes. who was here, yes. uh, he fooled a lot of coaches in practice, and when it came game time, he wasn't capable well, of doing that. So that's that's a unique situation, though, because you know they 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 knew what Tannehill was. It wasn't that they didn't know what he was. It was that they kept expecting him to take that next step. Exactly, and you know what? And, and, and to my point, yeah. With Rosen, it could be the same situation, it could be. It you know, could be. to where what I want to see, Mike, is how they do during an NFL football game. Because well, I don't are, think you want to see that right now behind well, no, the line. No, not right now. And <laughs> yeah. that gets that gets back to my other point that I felt that bringing him in, it's like putting again. I'll say I'll I'll use that expression again. Putting the cart before the horse. It, it's a situation where if you can't evaluate this guy, then okay, fine. You know what? We're not giving up a lot for him. Fine and dandy. Um, bring him in, and maybe we can get a true evaluation of him in games a season later. But again, you know, going back to what me and you both think, we think that they're going after a quarterback very early in the draft next year, a guy that's going to be a game changer, and that's the route they're well, going to it's, go. It's so. one of two things. It's either they're going to do that next year, or they're going to delay it a year and, and build the lines and, and build maybe more of the foundation next year and go after the quarterback the year after. Yes. But that involves tanking two years, and I don't know that, you know, and I say tanking, and when I, you know, I don't really literally mean tanking but everybody is using that term let's use the term being horrible for the next two seasons yeah. to a point where we'd have a top to right. a top draft pick right right in other words you're you're riding rosen uh you know next year hoping you can develop him a little bit in the chaos and you, and you get a couple of linemen that will make that job a little bit easier and uh then you if that doesn't work out then you go after the quarterback the following year and obviously everybody has their eye on lawrence Right. The drawback to that, Mike, would I, I don't want to cut you. There's a lot of pitfalls there. there there's yes. a lot of pitfalls, and we have done this in the past. We have passed up opportunities and gone a different route, and it winds up biting us in the butt. So yep. the point is, is that next year, if you have the first pick in the draft, I mean, and you've got a quarterback that's a game changer, you have to take him. I, mean, I agree with you. I think you do, what, you do what the Cardinals did. I mean, you you take that quarterback, and yes. if you have an opportunity to get Lawrence the next year, then you have a decision to make. And and you know what, Mike? Look at that team right now. Okay, look look at Arizona, and yeah. this is a perfect example of what I talk about in regard to playmakers. You know, Kyle Murray is only in his second game in the NFL, and you know what? He's respectable already. I mean, he had a great fourth quarter. He struggled for three quarters in uh-huh. his first game. And I, I, you can't tell me that their offensive line is head and heels above what they were last year, but the guy is a game changer. He's making plays as a quarterback. And this is, this was my issue with Rosen. And this will be my issue going forward. Is he that type of player? And in my opinion, he is not. And this is why Arizona moved on from him. And this is why we're probably going to wind up moving on from him come the draft next year. So we'll see. We'll see yeah. how it all unfolds. Exactly. All right. You know, I, we could talk about the game and the players and the season forever. I think we've pretty much covered it uh, as best we're going to cover it. Uh, the only other thing that I wanted to add, Lou, is we, we had talked last week about uh, uh, maybe the team would be more successful if they passed more on first down instead of running. Right. And, uh, you know, if you look back at the game yesterday in the first half, they, they had six first down plays and they ran on four of those. And only on one of those four were they able to convert a second first down. And then when they threw, they were able to convert. Uh, they threw twice. They were able to convert once, which is a little bit better than 25%, you know, as, as they had running the ball. So uh, what we're trying to say here is, they threw twice, they converted once, they ran four times, they converted once. So they, they are probably in a better situation um, throwing the ball on early downs than trying to force the run behind an offensive line that really has shown they can't run block. Agreed. I mean, and that's what we talked about last week yep. during the Wednesday podcast. I felt that they were probably better off trying to get the ball into the flats Obviously, you don't want Balaj doing it much more, but 
trying to get the ball just a little bit down the field and going to a short passing quick game. Rhythm passing quick rhythm is passing is going to be easier for everybody. And then throwing the ball down the field like they did to Parker, you know, right. when you know when he was 30, 40 yards down the field. The thing about it is this, Mike, is that on both sides of the football, they I think they were a little bit conservative, a lot more conservative than what I would have liked. I know uh, New England was in a third and 17, and we had a three-man rush. They were in a third and 14, and we had a three-man rush, and I just couldn't understand that. I understand dropping in the coverage, but send that fourth guy. Try to get a little bit more pressure up the middle. All right, but in defense of the coaches, they saw what that secondary did last week yeah. against Jackson, mm-hmm. and maybe they didn't want to repeat that with Antonio Brown and Brady. Well, I get that, Mike, but honestly, Baltimore was not in third and 17 and third and 14 No, no, situations. no, no, but my point is they were being more conservative yes. because they did not want that to happen. No, and I get that. I, I totally understand that, but – when you have situations to where they need 17 yards on third down or 14 yards on third down, I think you should probably be a little bit more aggressive. I don't think we ever had Baltimore in any of those situations. They were first and tens, and they were just you know play action and boom, wide open down the field. So yeah, but there was they're afraid the result was going to be the same as what I'm saying. Right. You know what I mean? They're they're afraid they're going to get past their uh, Bobby McCain back there. I got you. But, uh, you know, regardless of the fact, New England picked up both third down plays. Brady sat back there forever, and and that was it. All I'm saying is I felt they were a little bit conservative um, on both sides. I'm I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just trying to reason it out. Uh, As to why they may have done it. Yes, yes. And on offense, I think it's obviously no confidence in the offensive line. I would still be more aggressive on offense, though, and – Sacks be damned, you know. I w- I would just be more aggressive because that's the way I like to play offense. But on defense, sometimes I get it. Well, I mean, who's and and people may disagree with this point that I'm going to make right now. But in whose hands do you want the football? Do you want to give it to Balage, which is what they're doing on early downs, trying to run the football? Do you want Fitzpatrick? And I think Jim mentioned it that he would line him up in shotgun and give him that extra time to throw, which is what they should do. They do a lot of play action, and play action only works when you're running the football well. I mean, it it just doesn't make sense. Line him up in shotgun and try and get the ball, give him an opportunity to get the ball in the flat or down the field five, six yards. Here's the thing. We all know the advantages to play action, but when you've got a porous offensive line and your quarterback has his back turned to the rush, it's a liability. Absolutely. And, and you know, getting back to – you're absolutely right. Getting back to the conservativeness, there were a few plays that I felt they could have challenged as well. Flores really should have challenged a few other plays, and they decided against it. And wasn't it nice, finally – I mean, the one thing I do like about being able to throw a flag on pass interference is that this damn New England team, which is notorious for picks, where they've been doing it for years and getting away with it more so than anybody, yep. we, we, we got them yesterday in regard to that. They did yep. it. They do it over and over again. They have the technique down to a science, but it's still a pick no matter which way you, you look at it. It's got to be within a yard of the line of scrimmage yeah, but, or it's a pick. But, Mike, they have been getting away with it for years, and we basically called them out on that. You know, the, the disadvantage or the, the negative coming out of the pass interference is that the Antonio Brown touchdown, I mean, come on. He obviously pushed, pushed off, off on him. Yes, no doubt. It, it definitely interfered with the play because the coverage was not horrible. You know, when you're running in that direction and you get pushed a little bit, obviously it's going to make a difference. Well, and they, you know there's rules for Brady. I guess there's rules for Antonio Brown while he's on the right. Patriots and too. The, I don't know. And they ruled. I mean, it was obvious. When you watch the replay, you saw him push off on him. Now, was it enough? You know, again, it becomes a situation where you could go back and forth with it. I felt it definitely hindered the way he was going to be able to play the football, but obviously they didn't feel it was enough, and, you know, they, it went the other way. It, it didn't make a difference in the long run, but, you know, going forward in games, you know, it's 
It, Speak, it, speaking of officials and, and penalties and all that, you know, I'm not a big fan of Chris Collinsworth. But oh, he said far. he said something last night. I, I absolutely agree with holding mm-hmm. should be a five yard penalty. Agreed. Absolutely. Too many drives are killed by holding. Agreed. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and it, that's another that's another penalty that is just so. Yeah. Ticky-tacky a lot of times. There was a few plays in that game, and I know what you're referring to because there was a play in the game that was just – it's ridiculous. I mean, there's holding on every single play. They say – they, it, everybody has said it for years that you can call holding across the line of scrimmage on every single play of a football game. Let these guys play friggin' football. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I mean, uh, yeah. enough. It just, yeah. I mean, if it's an obvious holding penalty where the guy is like arm barring a guy and taking him down or grabbing his shirt right. and jump on his him. shoulder and tackle him, you know, if it's egregious, then yes, absolutely. absolutely. But I'm, some of the things they call are so borderline. It's ticky tacky nonsense. I mean, let these guys play football they, nobody wants to see penalties nobody wants to see second and 20s nobody wants to see the referee and and running over to you know to this little thing with these pass interference things now you know i mean it's like get it right already you know yeah just that's have- it's rough it's rough it's rough to watch it's rough to play it's rough to coach because nobody knows what the hell is right Exactly. And with this pass interference situation now, oh my goodness, it's it's just going to get worse. Well, that's what I'm talking about. Nobody, these defensive backs don't know what they can do and what they can't do. They literally don't know. They'll all tell you that. They don't know how aggressive they can be. Exactly. And it's going to fall on the offensive receivers now as well, because as, as you know, if you're on the defensive side of the football, they can call, they say, wait a minute, that was offensive pass yep. interference, much like we did on the Antonio Brown play. Now, it didn't go in our favor, but teams are going to be doing that as well, Mike. It's going to be on the other side as well. So it's going to be on both sides to where you could say, hey, wait a minute, he pushed off on him. We're, we're bringing that back. And it's like, you know, I mean, the game for years got by without all this nonsense in it. And, and it was a better game, in my opinion. It 110% was a better game. All right, on that note, I think we're going to go ahead and uh... – stop this show um you know <laughs> stop it, 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 huh? <laughs> we are gonna stop it because you know we could ramble on forever you know it, we it was a bad game it's it's been an ugly two games and i'm not going to sit here and harp on those games but well we tried to stay away from it we're trying to move forward from it i think we we barely touched on it you know we yeah. did a little bit but yeah yeah there's no reason to Every, everybody saw it everybody threw shit at the tv i mean we all we all know <laughs> so <laughs> you know, you just got you just got to grin and bear it. You know, it, it's it's like the needle in the butt. You know, you just got to take your pain and move on. So that's pretty much what we've been doing, and we're probably going to do it. You know, for quite a few more weeks, especially with Dallas and and the Chargers staring us in the face. So, and what happens when you get a needle in your butt, Mike? Going forward from that. Well, you go forward from that is exactly you what get happens. better. <laughs> yes, you get better. You go yes. to the doctor. You get a needle in your butt. Guess what? You get better. (laughs) Hopefully. All right. Well, we we can end the show on that analogy. There you go. (laughs) You guys have a a good week. We'll talk to you Wednesday, and uh, thanks for listening. Lou, fins up. Fins up, Mike. All right, so that's our show for this week. I just want to remind everyone that the FinFans podcast is part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. 